Welcome to the Weekly Pick and Pack, the podcast about all things inventory. Pick and Pack, powered by Fishbowl. Welcome to the Weekly Pick and Pack. My name is Nate Flake. And Nate Fulmer here. All right, we got a special guest today. I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Jason Larson. Worked here at Fishbowl Inventory for about 11 years now, going on 12. Dang, dude. You're doubling up both of us, man. Um, well, that started out super somber. Yep. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason's a man. He, he, um, so what's your official title? Uh, so I'm actually director of training. Director of training. School. So we, so Jason is kind of the expert here at um, implementing change and getting. I know we talked about that in episode one, but we want to talk more about um, kind of internal changes, right? Mm-hmm. So we have, I don't know who's listening to this, but let's assume that we have some. Most people are interested in the SMB space, inventory, starting out. Um, to change their processes or maybe even just to learn a couple, tr- uh, you know, tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this episode, I think we want to focus mostly on kind of how we've made a lot of internal changes at fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you've probably been the most, you know, between you and the director of support and some of the upper leadership and upper management, you guys have just killed it at changing a little bit of our culture, but mostly our, our support team and how everything is just efficient now. So we're going to start and talk about that. So um, before we started recording, you start, you were telling me about how when you guys kind of launched this change and, and kind of the change is like, Hey, let's go from having two or three day callback times to like live calls. And you mm-hmm. guys did it in like six months, probably less. Right. Yes. Yeah. So days. Um, he's like, it was one, 12 days and four hours actually. <laughs> Nate. Six Idiot. shifts. Trying to get a little yeah. <laughs> So um, we were talking about it. So what was the, the first thing you guys did is you had, was just super interesting to me. You guys had everybody like read, a, all the directors read, a, like actually read a book, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. So th- really the big thing about this, uh, it was a super huge change for us, right? Because we were we were changing the way that things had been done for a while and nobody believed that, that like actually doing live calls could be done yeah. with the amount of people that we had. So take, hold on, before you go on, yeah. let, let's talk about that. How many... Like, what's the average calls for? How many calls do we get, right, every day? Uh, so we're they usually thought it was on impossible. average between like two hundred and thirty. Yeah, it's usually about the average amount of calls on high, really high days. We'll get above like three hundred. So some of these calls go two, three hours. Like I've been on these calls; uh-huh. they go a long time. Yeah. So yeah, no wonder they thought, well, yeah, good luck doing live calls. You know, some of these calls are taking an hour and a half, two hours. Exactly. And you're expecting me to take eight of these, you know? like. Well, and, and they were trying to like avoid like the call center culture too, right? Where I it's know. like you're just, just pounding burn. calls all, the, all day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was actually interesting. It's funny how our, our customers actually got, got uh, trained during that time. Inadvertently, they were trained that when they got a call, when they called in, it would take a long time to get a call back. So sometimes you get people that would call in and uh, they would have even their assistants or somebody like that call in a couple of hours ahead of time. Not knowing. Expecting yeah. to get a call back. They're way just used later. to the, the rough callback times. Exactly. So when later on, when we were actually able to start implementing live calls, it was really funny because you'd get people that would answer and they'd be like, oh, I didn't think anyone would answer right now. All surprised. Can I just leave a message? I actually need to talk to someone in a few hours, if that's okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> Can funny. I schedule an appointment? Uh huh. 
So what was the book? Let's get back to that. So what was the book that you get? So you had your, all their all of your directors read this or So we had directors. So the way that we're set up right now is we actually have directors and mentors and we had um, both of them read it. So directors are the ones who are handling like the day-to-day on the teams. Mm-hmm. Mentors like a team lead, will yeah. definitely like a team lead. Yeah, okay. exactly. And they will they will go through and they'll take care of all the day-to-days, everything that needs to happen with the teams, one-on-one interviews, different things like that, see how things are going and, and make sure everything's working smoothly. The mentors are more like, hey, individual people need help with QA, certain areas yeah. or things like that, QA. They will go in and they'll do those kind of things. And anytime that the director is out, they'll fill in for them. So we had, so basically two leaders on each team. We would have each one of them we brought together in a meeting. And really what we're trying to do is trying to make sure everybody is on board with the same idea. Like mentality. Like we can almost. actually, yeah, we can make this happen yeah. as far as the, the live calls are concerned. So we were... We kind of started by first reading this book, which was Extreme Ownership, which Mm -hmm. talks about, you know what, let's not try and blame anything that ever happens, like like the fact that we don't have live calls. Let's not blame that on the fact that it's the software or it's, uh, you know, something that's... Yeah, shift the blame to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. Take ownership, and it starts from the top, starts from from the leaders in the department, Mm -hmm. and then pretty soon people... People that are kind of your everyday regular technicians, they even take ownership for those and, and the individual calls. And so there was a big shift um, for that. And and once we were able to do that, we were able to work on, okay, let's get everybody bought into this idea and let's come up with some ideas of how we can make this happen. Yeah. So you had to get, I mean, like what you said, you have to get everyone bought in, right? But mm-hmm. to get buy-in, right? And that's such a buzzword that everybody throws around now. But to get buy-in, and this is applicable to not just a support team, but any marketing team, development, anything. Mm-hmm. You have to parenting. start. Yeah. Parenting. <laughs> right. I wish I could get buy-in in my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> buy-in with my kids. Good luck. Hey, anyway. Yeah, I know you can't read, read this book. Just toss them that massive book <laughs> my six-year-old. Sorry, um, derailed it. My bad. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> the wells are turning over here. Um, so, yeah, so you have to get buy-in from, so that's why you start. You don't just go and basically implement this on everybody and say, hey, this is what we're doing you need to get people that are going to kind of champion this for you, right? Exactly. And and so, and part of that, getting the buy-in is, is really, it kind of came from a collective idea as well of, of things that we could do to, to make yeah. this better, make it actually happen. So we would we would always challenge our people as well, uh, our directors, whenever they came to us with some kind of a problem or something associated with a problem, come in with a solution. Come in with, you know what, here's a problem. I think that we could maybe solve it this way. Yeah. And that included having a, uh, or got those people to really own the department, own what we were doing, take pride in what we were doing and do those kind of different things that really has pushed us to the next level, I feel like. So speaking to that same thing where you like coming to coming with a solution kind mm-hmm. of thing. So good story for you. I was at the gym one time and I was listening. I inadvertently I was listening to some guy on the phone because he was yelling at one of his employees. So it was really easy to listen in. But he gave me the best one-liner I've ever heard in my life. And so he was freaking out for a little while, and he goes, you know what? I'm just sick of your seagull management. You just fly over everything and just shit all over it. Why don't you come to me with some solutions? And I was like, that is the best analogy I've ever heard. I was, so I use it any chance I can get, nice. which isn't very often. So thanks for giving me that opportunity. This is perfect time. Anytime. That's unreal. So, so part of it is, so also coming back to like, okay, bring me a solution. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means changing your process though, right? Absolutely. So for, for us, that meant like, hey, this is how we take calls now. This is how we handle support tickets now. Let's change the process. Right. Right. And so 
sometimes you have to be willing, you know, if you're running a small business, um, we talked about this a little bit in episode one, but um, for training, we talked about this with Zach and Colby and, and kind of some of the training, you know, onsite trainings, right? Like a lot of time you'll go to a company that wants to change their, I don't know, their, their pick order or something like that, but they, mm-hmm. they want a solution to it, but they're not willing to change in the process, right? Right. Hey, we're picking too slow or it's taking forever to get the orders to the staging area. Mm-hmm. And then you come with a solution. Not all the times, a lot of, t- a lot of times, I guess it involves changing their process, right? Like right. how many, hundred, hundred percent of the time, I think. At mm-hmm. least. Um, just a rough figure, just a rough hundred <laughs> percent of the time. And so I think that, but like a lot of times they're not willing to change their process. Right. Sometimes, well, sometimes you, you have to be willing, right? Yeah, you do. I mean, honestly, it's kind of hard to, if you run a business and especially here um, where we work, it definitely is adaptability is key. You know, like yeah. being able to adapt and being able to change at a moment's notice to, yeah. to adapt to the, to the new expectations that are out there or something else that's changed in the industry or the way mm-hmm. that things are done. Being able to adapt to those things have been really crucial. And I've, n- none of us have seen that more than a lot of us that go out on site and we're implementing uh, on site trainer. We're mm-hmm. implementing a new system for, for companies. A lot of us get experience with that here. Uh, when we go out and we do that, there are people that have been doing the same thing for 20 some odd years. Oh, those are the hardest ones to change, man. Exactly. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I have actually have on sites completely derailed because there's, you know, 10 people are totally bought in. They're like, this is great. This is awesome. But there's one person, the one naysayer that's worked there for X amount of years. And they say, you know what? I just don't want to change. I can see that, you know, this might be beneficial at some point, but yeah. I just really don't want to change things. Which is why you start, start with this top down, right? Because if you have a director that's like bought in, mm-hmm. if they're, I don't know what's a better name for support, <laughs> their person underneath them yeah. isn't bought in, then that point you say, okay, cool. You don't want to move in our direction, then there's a thousand other companies here. Right, you know? exactly. Well, but that, you can't do opposite. You can't say, hey, we're going to teach the support team and then we have two directors that aren't bought in. Good luck. Right. You know? Well, the, the interesting thing that happens, and they talk about in that book, actually, that I love, is it was a really interesting scenario um, where basically this this guy is a leader of, of um, a SEAL team. Yeah. And he was the leader, and there's this person that came in. There was a big problem that happened out in the field. Last team that had this kind of problem basically got dispersed disbanded and uh, was like disgraced for ever kind of a situation. They actually disbanded as far as the seals were concerned. So everybody was super tense about the whole situation, what was going to happen and who it was going to come down on. And yeah. So they brought in this, this general, I guess that was going to come in and they were just expecting them to just break everything up. Mm-hmm. But this guy that was the leader of the team basically just took it upon himself and said, look, it's my fault that all of this happened. It was because of poor leadership that this happened why the timetables were wrong, why we ran into this kind of problem when we were out there. It's my fault. Yeah, took full blame. Even though there were individuals that were making, you know, individual decisions or things like that, he took it upon himself as like, it's my fault because I didn't train them right or I didn't have them set up right or I didn't set it up for success for them to be successful. Yeah. And when you have the people that are underneath that, the people that are would be underneath him, they can take a look at that and realize, wow, this guy's like taking a bullet for me. Yeah. And he's kind of right, too, like, at the same time. But what about the people that are, like, under me as well? Like, I should do the same thing. So it kind of starts this cascading effect. Yeah, ripple effect. And we've been able to see that a lot, too, <coughs> that a lot of us actually take pride in taking ownership for 
any type of mistake that's out there, which is that we run into or, or what happens. And it's really changed our mentality a lot and has, uh, it's affected us in a very positive way. Yeah. So what on the, on the, so I know we've talked, said the name of the book a couple of times, but for those of you who don't know this extreme ownership, what's the full title? Extreme ownership, how us Navy seals lead and win. It's written by Jocko Willink. Okay. I've seen him on a couple of podcasts actually. Really? Jocko. Yeah. Who's on Theo Vaughn's cool. not too long ago. Sounds like a smart dude. Um, Probably jacked. He's a muscly guy. Yes. I imagine so. <laughs> Cause a seal he beat me up. Oh. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering. Hey, do you think he could beat you up? Oh, cool. Okay. I'm glad a Navy SEAL could beat you up. That gives he's me more a, confidence in our country. He's, he's money. Um, mm-hmm. So let's go. So you read the book. What happens next? Or you tell everybody else to read the book. You obviously read the book yourself. Right. And we did it chapter by chapter, actually. So like we went through and, and we read it together. So we everybody would read a chapter and then we would come and discuss it. Oh, and, cool. And be like, okay, book so it, basically like book club. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> chapter by chapter and then we would all we would all discuss it and say like okay what was the most important part how did it make how does it make the most sense for us in our situation in our industry how does this apply and when we were able to do that it kind of got those juices flowing and again it was getting people to own what we were doing yeah well and you're getting input from them as well you're not saying go read this book and then we're going to tell you exactly what you should have gotten out of it and we're going to tell you how to think, you know, like right. what to do next. You're getting exactly kind of that's cool. So, so everybody's kind of coming up with these ideas collectively together, which causes everybody to buy into it. Yeah, that's yeah, sweet. That's awesome. The involvement there is very necessary, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So great. then, was there so book finishes? Then what happens? How how long does it take for processes to change? What major milestones did you cross? So really, with us, the big thing it, it actually happened very fairly quickly. Um, and we were coming off of kind of a time when we didn't have as many people as we normally would try and have, but we did quickly go through and just change the mentality and be like, you know what? We, everybody was afraid to kind of do this before, or at least uh, a lot of the support technicians Mm -hmm. that were on the ground level were, were having a hard time with accepting the fact that logging in is going to be okay. Cause they're always worried about that queue in the background. Like, Oh, what's, what's going to happen? It's going to build up and this is never going to work, but just getting them to commit and just be like, you know what? We're going to go live. And there's only going to be like one or two people that are going to be working with those ones that are in the box, getting those taken care of. And let's do that. And we're going to see how things go. And it was almost like an overnight thing. It was really within a matter of uh, a few weeks after doing that and getting everybody to actually do that and commit to be logged into the queue where we started all of a sudden hitting 60, 75 percent live calls. Wow. And we're like, we never thought that was even possible. Yeah. And so now it's just been, you know, going through and trying to refine that and getting getting the the processes worked out collectively with every every one of us together. Yeah. Going through and collectively working that out and fine tuning that process until I mean today I put out our numbers for last month and last month we had ninety one percent live calls. Sheesh. Which Woo-hoo. was awesome. Yeah, for those listening, like this is like when so when Nate and I were this was what, five years ago. Yeah. When we were on the in support. On the training and support team, it was like th- literally three days, sometimes four or five days backed up. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, it's not like, it's not we weren't all awful or anything. It's just the, the nature of the software. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was remote training that carried over. And so, like, you have three text training. So, like, that's insane mm-hmm. for to go from, you know, a couple hundred in the queue waiting to get callbacks to 90% live calls. 
Yeah, it was it was a, a huge shift yeah. for us. Well, I think, and like Jason has mentioned a couple times too, like we try to keep the teams pretty small, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the people taking the phone calls are the same people that are traveling. So sometimes you get booked up too much with travel, and so the teams are cut short a little bit. Like it's it's it was hard when we were on support is what I'm saying yeah, to like yeah, yeah. keep up with all those things I thought mm-hmm. but oh, it's incra- um, yeah it was crazy it yeah. was super stressful like you'd come in some days and it'd be like there was two of you on a team where there should have been eight because <laughs> because of a scheduling error and it's like well that's yeah right let's fix that too yeah but like uh, sometimes you can't because people change when they want you there right so right yeah, change plans. exactly that's what you gotta do there's a lot of logistical things that go into it and mm-hmm. to be honest I mean uh, not at all to, to knock any previous people or leaders or anything like that that have been in there uh, we did the best job that we felt like we could do at that time oh, yeah. we were doing great and, and there was a lot of different challenges that we faced but I think that at some point we got to the point where where we could do live calls but we didn't quite realize that it, we had the potential to do live calls at that point and that's where this kind of mental shift I guess a shift for us in yeah. process and and a mental shift together as a department really made it so that it could actually come to fruition and I think not, like you said, not to knock on any leadership or anything like that, because obviously they did a great job. They went through a huge growth during that time period. Absolutely. But sometimes it does take a shift in leadership to be able to see things differently, right? Yep. So. Yeah, there sense. was, it was a big, it was a big uh, shift for us, actually. Um, yeah. Austin, is it okay if I name drop? Is that all right? <laughs> Go for it. Austin <laughs> Anderson. Austin, you have to ask dude. Austin. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, We're Austin, Austin <laughs> Anderson came in as, as, a, as a new leader for support, and sometimes... Um, just having uh, fresh and new ideas that can, that come in there can can oh, yeah. change everything for sure. And uh, I've seen that both being the person who has done something for a long time and then had somebody come in afterwards and make it awesome, you know, yeah. Yeah. just because of a shift like that, and and then also being a part of being the person who gets to get those new new ideas out there and new things that are happening. It's yeah. it's great. Well, I mean, it's part of the reason why consultants are so valuable and why they're so highly paid, right? It's yeah. like. They have a different perspective. Absolutely. And a lot of times they don't even have the experience, like a ton of experience, but that's sometimes even a benefit, right? There's not like the Absolutely. negative view on things or whatever. They can get outside. Yeah, they can yeah. think outside on that. Yeah, yep. they just come in and basically force a change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, outside perspective. So I know you've, we've talked about like, yeah, we, you guys went through this change. You kind of changed the mentality. You're at life calls, but there's a ton of other stuff that goes into that, right? And mm-hmm. I think that for those listening... Like, yeah, if you have issues with your, you know, whether it be your inventory process or your marketing or development or whatever it is, whatever product you're doing, you know, you, there's there's a ton of other stuff that's the day-to-day. Let's talk about a couple of those things and okay. how you guys keep, because it's one thing that, it's one thing to make a change, but then to keep it up, right? Like you have that initial three-week, four-week thing, right? you're killing it, but then how do you, A, keep the support? rips uh the support techs or trainers like hungry right and Mm -hmm. then how do you keep them knowledgeable enough to keep up with every release to be able to train so right i know one thing we do that's kind of unique is kind of the badge system you want to talk about that a Mm -hmm. little bit yeah absolutely this is actually uh, it's the brainchild i'm i'm gonna name drop again (laughs) brainchild (laughs) of uh dusty miller actually who uh, copied it from the Boy Scouts? He will claim himself that he did, <laughs> but it's uh, which is a great program. But the, basically, what it is is we have uh, we had a real need to boost the knowledge of our technicians. Um, our technicians were great, but it took such a long time to get to the point where you were very proficient 
technician. Like for me, when I first got hired on, it took me uh, about a year before I felt like I could actually answer some of my colleagues' questions. Oh, yeah. And things that way. Like I could take like about six months, language. I could take care of customers for the yeah. most part and kind of self be self-sustaining, but to actually help some of my other colleagues and be what I would consider very knowledgeable about yeah. software. It took me about a year. And uh, none of, we didn't really have it. We had very basic training at that point in time. Yeah. Most of it was just on the phone. Just get on the you phone. You come in new, what's the training course? What, 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 when you can start it, what was it? When I started, Six it weeks? was Becky's Cookies. Uh-uh. There was no training course well, even at all. It was, on the phone. it was Becky's Cookies was the database that we went through and looked at. They had, when I was lucky enough to actually get some training videos, so I watched those for like a half a day. And then... <laughs> Welcome. I would, and, Dude, we had like and then six we went. Oh, we had way too long. We had six weeks. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, Fishbowl's like not an easy product. I mean, it's no, easy no. It's to where the end user you can train them. Right. It's easy to us now, but it's like learning QuickBooks. It is. Well, yeah. it's like enough, uh, well enough to be like a QB Pro advisor or something crazy. Uh -huh. You know. Well, I think yeah. like what you were saying, Jason. Like you can regurgitate the information for a little while. You can kind of fake it, mm -hmm. but then you actually have to have some in-depth knowledge to actually be able to speak intelligently yeah, to it. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. That's wild. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember feeling that and like going through those issues where it was like, oh, I've dealt with this issue before. I can walk you through it. But then I was like, oh, why did this happen? And it was like my brain just like shut down. I was like, I don't. Why are you asking me that? I don't know. <laughs> just yeah. just, yeah, just don't do it next put time. Put them on you. Ask yeah, that's so true. Oh yeah. Oh, let me check into that for you. Yeah. So you had why half a day of video. Know? So you were like good to go. Half a day of videos, <laughs> and then I then I shadowed someone on the phones for a day. That okay. was that was Anthony actually. Nice. Anthony, okay. Man. Okay. Shadowed them for a day, and then yeah, we were thrown on the on the phones. That's which crazy. literally, I would be like on the phones, and somebody would call in and be like, "Hey, um, yeah, my my fishbowl to QuickBooks sync isn't working." I'd be like, "Okay, let me check on that. Just one second, please." Oh yeah. Put them on hold and look over at Luke and be like. Luke, your director. We integrate with QuickBooks. There's this, there's this thing <laughs> called QuickBooks. QuickFish. What is it? <laughs> what's <laughs> QuickBooks? So that's what what's, it was like for me. What's the I training course now? Like, is it? So that's that's gone through um, several you're ahead of it, several so kind of at, changes and things that have happened there, and it's been through. That was back in the days of Dusty Miller. Yeah, his, yeah. The badge program was his. Also going through and changing the training program. So now they watch videos for a full day <laughs> and do zero <laughs> shadowing and just jump right, right into it. Yeah. Just jump into it. <laughs> now, so we started out with um, eight weeks of training. Mm -hmm. We trimmed it down to six weeks of training, and then eventually down to four. Perfect. And this last group, we did three. So we kind of keep Dang. pushing it a little bit more and more there. I came in during an eight-week stretch, and I felt like it was we like six, it I was think. long, too long to the point mm -hmm. where it was not helpful because it was like it was the same information that you're getting, but there's not like real-life experience or yeah, exposure to it, right? Phones, yeah. Right. So we try and with that training program, which is really awesome, by the way. Um, we we do well, four weeks it, right? is <laughs> ideal. No, no, no. I didn't make like it. Super honk good. honk. I'm, I'm standing on the on the shoulders of greater men. But <laughs> but uh, what we do, it's really awesome. We bring them in and we will give them just the water hose effect for like yeah. probably four days, which is can yeah. be pretty overwhelming. Um, and then mm -hmm. after that, then we will actually, that's where they get basically everything there is to know with Fishbowl in that short period of time, mm -hmm. which is just a brief crash course on everything. Then we will circle back and go into great detail. We'll, we encourage a lot of questions as far as what yeah. we go through and do that. We give a lot of scenarios like, here's what you're going to run into this way. We spend a lot of time on, that's learning the software. And then we spend uh, time troubleshooting where we actually challenge them to um, put their troubleshooting skills to the test. So I'll create different scenarios for them. Yeah. Be like, okay, hey, I broke this. Fix it. 
have yeah. them go do that. A lot of hands-on, like yeah, actually awesome. learning there that way. And then we, we go out and we do a tour of, of companies that use Fishbowl, try and give them some information that way. I like, too, that you have different directors coming through and helping them helping teach as well, because that do. way you're not getting the exact same voice that entire three or four weeks that you're doing now, right? It's like, or the same mode of teaching even. It's like you get a different perspective. You get someone that's actually still taking quite a few calls. You still... Yep. So I, I like that you guys do that too. I think that's really helpful. We actually make it a point when we go through and do the fire hose, the fire hose days. Um, we'll train on certain topics, and then we make sure that it's a different trainer who trains on that topic again. Oh, cool! Because that way you'll kind of get different. two different perspectives yeah, on sweet. the same thing. Track so. that. So you go through the training. So now coming back to the badges. So you you do the training. Let's say trainers are here for two years. Mm-hmm. How do they not get? How do they not become stagnant? How do they? progress right like how do they keep learning right that's through the badge system so speak a little bit about that so absolutely brainchild dusty brainchild dusty yeah he came up with it um basically there there are badges that are um he calls them achievements actually but there are achievements that are based off of milestones that you hit so that's like number of years that you have in in the company yeah um number of calls that you take in a day the number of calls that you take in a week yeah some fun ones that are like Mm -hmm. hey you can get these in a week if you try really hard right yeah yeah yeah. and and then there are other ones which are coursework which means it's about four hours badge um and basically what happens is we have a whole bunch of different kinds of topics um some that are more common topics to fishbowl like accounting everybody needs to know accounting if you're going to use fishbowl to a very limited extent so i'll put a little disclaimer there (laughs) to a limited extent yes that's true so (laughs) how to get into quickbooks but but we will go through we have quickbooks we have two quickbooks badges zero uh, zero yep we have troubleshooting badges we have a lot of things that are Kind of like you need to know these things, or these are very basic things. Excel, so they get project kind of management, and then you've got some more obscure ones, which are like Linux or yeah. uh, like how to you know how to install things and how to handle Linux, how to. Um, oh, sorry, I'm trying to think of like the, the hardware one. badges where it's like scanning hardware, and how to troubleshoot those database, how the database is set up, SQL, mm-hmm. how to write SQL queries and do all yeah. those kind of different things. So they can, there's a, a wide ver- range of topics that they can go through and cover but it makes them someone who goes through and gets all of those badges would be a very valuable super skilled technician how many what there's like eight how many badges are like over 100 uh so coursework badges were probably up around like 60 70s Uh on those but then there's a whole bunch of milestones and things like that so someone that's been here for four or five years Mm mm-hmm so and assuming assuming they get because you want them to get what what is it like two badges a month two badges or a month yeah and so That's the way what, what happens get. with this is it's it's actually tied to how much they make so they can actually get a so it's incentivizing to them yep yeah. everybody starts off with basically the same pay when you get mm-hmm. when you get started here mm-hmm. um, and then what happens is for every twelve badges that you earn you'll actually get a fifty cent raise yeah it's fifty cent hourly raise. And uh, that'll you'll get up to two dollars um, total. So if you get forty eight badges, you'll get a two dollar. You can do that yeah, as soon as you want. So that, so for them, it's incentivizing, not only for pay, but to like actually learn and become a better trainer, which then puts them in position to kind of move up in the company mm-hmm. as far as directors or mentors, right? Or absolutely hop teams or whatever that is. Well, yeah. to that same end, it shows the leadership as well, who's really motivated or like. Um, who wants to grow in the company, right? Or who's yeah. actually like putting in who's the time. Invested, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And even for those people that don't, that are just kind of, because there still are a few people that end up being stagnant. I mean, it happens. Sure. Yeah, they're happy. They're like, this is great. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is, is that we can, we actually go around and we'll be like, okay, so if you were on track and you had your badges that you'd normally earn right now, 
here's how much money you're losing because you missed out on this wah, wah. on this raise. And that just and they're like, a fire a little bit. Oh man, I gotta get those badges. Don't tell my wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, talking about the kind of incentives as well. Um, what other besides like upward mobility? That does that help with retention? I know we spoke a little bit about that mm-hmm. before we started recording. Like our what's our re- our retention? So our turnover is like insanely low, right? Yeah, it's very low. Most of the time, at least for the support department, majority of the time we're losing people because they're going to other departments. They're moving yeah. on to different positions or things like that, like development yeah. or marketing or sales. They're moving on to that. But I mean, it's very low as far as actually losing someone externally. Yeah, especially for like a call center training type environment. Uh-huh. I mean, we're in Utah, right? So it's yeah, Silicon Slopes. Yep. Everybody has these support and training teams. But it's got. We've have to have like one of the lowest. In I would. The I state, would say I would from think. from what I've seen, it's like two to three people a year. That's insane. Is like average where we'd be at. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. And you attribute that to what? What do you think? Besides, you're, well, because there people are investing so much time getting these badges. You think, or so a lot um, of it's probably culture. There's fun a fun place to work. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of things. So the, yeah, Fishbowl does take care of of people really well as far as as pay is concerned, and that includes those badges. It, for me, one of the things that's kept me here forever is that it's not something that I become stagnant at. There's, there's always something to do, whether that be something with the badges. And then once you get beyond those badges, then you've got kind of leadership and, and different things. And yeah. you go through there where you're participating, coming up with ideas, doing all those different things. Plus, day to day, the stuff that you run into with uh, such a, a really a complex software or capable software yeah. is uh, the there's new problems that you run into all the time with yeah. certain industries and so many different industries that we work with so that's been really huge for me to not feel stagnant yeah because i feel like honestly and maybe that's a bad thing to say on here (laughs) but i would probably be a job hopper if i worked anywhere else i would be one of those people that would just after a couple couple years years, i'd get bored and be like you know what i just i want something else to challenge me yeah but i'm challenged even even here even here in utah i read something on linkedin the other day that it was like the average tenor for a millennial in the Silicon Slopes is like 22 months. Really? Yeah. Wow. Right, because people are just going from company job to, to company. Tech, well, I mean, they're yeah. all, it's all software, mostly software companies, right? So, yeah. I mean, but even for those people listening, like this isn't just applicable to software. Like Absolutely. if you're running yeah. a company that sells shoes and you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I lower the turnover? Challenge your employees, right? Like. Mm-hmm give them something to a to learn and give them something else to do add add more i don't know i I feel like a lot of people get as soon as they start to feel stagnant that's when they're either looking for a promotion yep promotion's not there they're bouncing companies they're out right exactly so i think maybe that's part of why fishbowl is the turn because i've had we've had partners in here nate and i where people are like stunned at how low the turnover is yeah like the fact that you've been here 11 years even in the company hasn't been around much longer than that, frankly. Yeah. I was only going to be here for one year. That's originally that what I agreed when I sat down with Dusty oh, really? at the time. I sat down mm-hmm. and agreed with him, and I said, <laughs> I would love to year. work here, but I am going to work here for a year, and I'm going to head back home to Idaho where my family's yeah. at. I'm a wild stallion. You can't tie me down, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and, uh, then, oh, wild <laughs> then, you know, Fishbowl just took such good care of me. You can tell that they care so much yeah. about their people, and the people that work here are yeah. just... That's the thing that just keeps you. you yeah, know? yeah. That's funny because when I was being interviewed, I didn't say the same thing, but I said something similar where I just said I, I have a couple of years, 
but I do plan on going to grad school at some point. And you could just like, there was no hesitation with their response. Even it was like, okay, which now I'm thinking back on it. It's probably like, like a, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not going anywhere, so sucker. Sure. It is kind of <laughs> yeah. like that. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, one year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. I broke free, but now I'm back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Circles back. Um, <laughs> so what advice do you have kind of going through? So you, you kind of start this whole change. Mm-hmm. You, Austin, a couple other people make the kind of this plan. We're going to read this book. We're going to make these changes. We're going to go live. We're going to implement this badge system that was already implemented before. Mm-hmm. Culture, turnover's low. Like, everything seems to be working. Yeah. Right. What do you suggest for somebody that's not in the software space, that isn't, maybe they're not even in the services space? How do you keep employees, especially for those, like, that have your same position that are directors of training, the aid people, that, the onboarding specialists in a lot of other companies, is right, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they're not learning a software, let's say they're, you know, either manufacturing, which a ton of our clients do manufacturing. How do you keep people hungry? How do you keep people attentive? How do you keep them progressing? So from what, from your experience of what you've learned here, my experience and from, from what I've had with the people that I've worked with is number one would be being honest with them and open and anything that you ever or like are doing or talk, talking about with them, but then challenging them, figuring out a way to actually challenge them every day. Whether that's actually what I've seen and I've observed from being on a lot of different teams and being on teams where I was happy and excited and I loved it and I thought it was awesome and other teams where there just was missing something that was magic that was there. Yeah, It's because there was people on those teams that would challenge all of us. And it wasn't even, I can think of one team in particular. Challenge in a good way? Challenge in a good way. Okay. Not even like Not a challenge like, a I'm going to try not to punch this guy in the face today. No, no, no. Challenge in a way. So, for instance, there was one guy that was, uh, his name is Chris Williamson. Sorry, name dropping. Again. No, you're good. I can't help myself. Anyway. Shout out to Chris. He came Hopefully in, he came in uh, on one of the teams that I was, I actually was the director of. And he changed the dynamic on that team a lot. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, because he would come in and he'd sit down and he'd be like, hey, guys, hey, I'm working on some emails. How many emails do you think I can do? Oh, I'm going to do this many. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What about you guys? You think you could do this? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Made do it a competition emails? kind of thing? Yeah. Like that. He made it really fun, and he would do that every day with calls and, yeah. and emails or whatever he was doing. I remember that, actually. I was on Chris's team for a while. Yeah. And cool. he was he was awesome at doing that, and he would really lift people up. And I loved having him on the team. I never wanted to lose him because he created an atmosphere on the team that was, hey, we're, we're doing this together, and we're having fun doing it together, and we're challenging each other and pushing each other up. I like yeah. that. So keep it challenging mm-hmm. for not only the employee, but also whoever's in that in that director or management position yeah. is also challenging their you know, the employees as well. Exactly. I mean, like if something comes up where it's like, hey, we got this kind of problem, challenge them to, to see who can come up with the best solution. Yeah. Something I remember too when I first started is like the, basically you're given leadership's trust until you lose it basically, right? So yeah. like it's up to you to lose that trust. Like we don't have any machines here to clock in. You right. don't have scheduled break times. You don't have like shifts for lunch. Well, there's kind of like a try to make a it shifts flow, for lunch yeah. or whatever. But if you go during a different time, it's not like anyone freaks out at you. You know what I mean? Like you don't get written up for a warning because you go at a different time for lunch or whatever. Um, or like there's at least a way to like work around it, right? Whereas there were a lot of other jobs that I had where it was like a clock in. And if you clock in five minutes early, then you're in trouble because we're paying you five minutes longer Super than you strict. need to be paid in or paid. But 
Yeah. Clocking five minutes late and you're fired because you're late. So, and like, yeah. uh, make sure you're clocking out for your break and 15 minute break. Oh, you're supposed to take your 15 minute break at 10, but you took it at 930 instead. Like there was never that issue. And I feel like that was a big deal to me that I didn't feel like I was being micromanaged in every aspect yeah, of my life. You don't have your anxiety stricken. Yeah. <laughs> every yeah, day right? you come in. Especially when you're like taking phone calls and stuff all day. Like it's like, yeah. No, I need to get off the call now because I have my 15-minute break right now. And if I don't take it right now, then I'm not going to be able to take it. You know what I mean? Right. Definitely. I don't know. I've definitely been to co- <coughs> been to companies that not like – I mean, I guess I've worked for a couple like that. But I've – when, you know, implementing fishbowl and training, like you get – you can instantly tell the culture as soon as you get there. Mm-hmm. And this isn't an episode about culture or whatever. But, like, it's kind crazy. turning into that. It's crazy <laughs> how – yeah, you can instantly just like mm-hmm. you can tell like oh this place is like very micromanaged. Yep. So yeah, I mean maybe if you're trying to implement change, start with like hey loosen the reins a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like don't be so crazy because especially like you're talking about bringing all the directors in, having them read this book. Mm-hmm. Every chapter we're gonna have a meeting about it, and then we're gonna implement a kind of a crazy like a whole new concept of taking calls and we're going to go from a queue style to a live call style. Mm-hmm. If you're, if previous to that you'd micromanage everybody and everybody was super used to a very strict set of processes, mm-hmm. do you think it would have been a lot harder to make that change? I think it would because have been. the mentality is already very, this is how it's done. This is how it's always been. Right. But I, because I, the mentality is not right. I think that, it, yeah, it would, it would, wouldn't have been, as positive as a change as it's been because you wouldn't have people that are buying in. They're not really doing it. They're just doing what they're told. They're not actually being a part of what's going on. Yeah. Being a part of the change. And it's such a being micromanaging like that. I mean, that's the reason why people stick around here. I feel like for that long is because of the culture Mm -hmm. and because they're not micromanaged. So honestly, I don't know that you'd have, you start to have to immediately shift over to, Okay, let's compartmentalize all of our, in our particular situation with support, we like being one-stop shop. Yeah. This one technician can solve all of your problems. Whereas if that would have happened and we would have been super micromanaging, that's, in my mind, that's where you start getting a lot of of the the turnover with your employees. Mm -hmm. So if you start getting a lot of turnover, then all of a sudden you don't have people that are going to be buying in and we would have had to have split out and done compartmentalization compartmentalized everything out and then we're just we've got unhappy people that we're turning through probably what every seven eight months yeah and it's just not worth it for us at that yeah point. and you're probably in, in in kind of the whole mentality of like okay if you're gonna be strict with me then like you're talking about being a one-stop shop for the trainer mm-hmm. i could see it kind of turning and actually by the ass where they're like hey if you want to be strict with me then i only do this and this and this that's oh, yeah. my job description exactly yep. Anything beyond that, good luck, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go out of my way to do something that's technically not my job description. Yeah. Which, I mean, down in, you know, we see, we get emails all the time, people going above and beyond here. Absolutely. Right? And, like, you know, if you're listening to this and you have employees that are going above and beyond, it's probably because you give them the trust and the kind of freedom and creative freedom to solve issues. You've you're, empowered you're them to micro- make them feel like yeah. they can do that. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny. Like, it's... I think I think companies that think they're like, hey, well, if you know, they're they're all they're so worried about the bottom line that it's such an inverse effect for them. Mm-hmm. When it's like it's actually like costing you a lot of money to 
you know, be an asshole. It's <laughs> true. Well, and one of the things that's interesting as you bring that up, going through and talking about like in back in the day, we used to be a lot more um, strict on things like we had these things called incidents, yeah, uh, which we used to go through and we used to customer could only have 10 minutes of the time and then it would be oh, it was yeah. it was it was really yeah. nobody loved it, but we used it. And that was another kind of mentality shift is we took those away. And one of the things that Austin, when he came on, uh, was was really big about was like, I just take care of the customer, even if it's like for a different department and yeah. fishbowl. Yeah. Take care of them first. And then we'll work about we'll work on yeah. like, where do they need to go? How do we help them get to the right place the next time? And that changed it from, you know, ah, this isn't part of my job. Yeah, my, I don't have yeah. to bother with this. I can I can pass them off to somebody else. And then there's kind of that whole fight between, OK, who's taking it and who's. Yeah. That's that whole like, is it Zappos that has like the awesome customer service that everyone like refers to when they're talking about good customer service where like there there's like a story i don't even know where i heard this or if it's true or not but we're like a professor's talking about customer service and like how important it is so he calls zappos and says where's the best place to order pizza here and instead of being like why the hell are you calling us this is not my job the guy like googles it and is like oh it looks like this gets the best reviews so yeah go, go ahead <laughs> call this pizza place him. yeah yep that's awesome we've actually had people because we have another company there's another company out there that's fishbowl Fishbowl marketing, and we get calls every once in a while about coupons to you know restaurants, yeah, yeah, yeah. Golden Corral, things like that. And there's people now that are like, oh yeah, so here's what you need to do. You need to go to this place. Here's the website. Go to this one. Yeah. You accidentally came to ours. Here's the right one to do it. That one. That's yeah, awesome. Need some rev share with those guys. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so final advice, final thoughts, top three pieces of advice from the process you've gone through because this is probably what two year process it took. Yeah. I mean, it took s several weeks, and then what is the final process? Is sorry, what is the final tips as far as process done? Two three years go by. What mm -hmm. are your What are your big tips for the people listening? Anyone going through any type of process change? The uh, well, the biggest thing that that I would say is don't be afraid to actually make the change. Like that's I know that that's kind of hard, but yeah, but. Um, really being afraid to make the change it's it, things are never going to get better if you're not if you're afraid to make the change there and then getting people to actually buy into that change uh, making people part of that process encouraging them like the people that you're working with working together and collaborating with them and making them feel like they're a big part of it to 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 actually implement and have that change so that they yeah basically if something you know if it goes right then it's everybody's fault. If it goes wrong, it's everybody's fault. And then we pick up the pieces and, and then continue working on something yeah, else take to make it better. Over it. Have everybody take ownership is is uh, really huge for that. Um, those are kind of the, the biggest things. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jason. Well, I'm we're going to leave you with uh, an inventory tip here. So we're going to talk about best practice for creating part numbers. So I actually got this question all the time. Yeah. Right. People, people. So we're talking about like part and product numbers, right? So companies, either startups or people who have already been selling product or manufacturing a certain product, and then they implement a uh, solution like Fishbowl. And one of the first questions I always get is, "Hey, how do I, how do I start? Like, I'm starting fresh. I'm wiping my. We're gonna start with a brand new QuickBooks file. We're gonna start with a brand new Fishbowl file. What's your advice on creating part number system?" So best advice I always says was like, hey, keep it simple. People try to overthink it. 
Um, there's the people that overthink it, and then there's the people that don't think about it at all. Underthink, yes. And yeah, so like, there's like a whatever. fine line. Yeah. Yeah. So best practice is something between five and seven digits. Don't not starting with zeros. A lot of people start with zeros. It screws up a lot of things, and it just makes it confusing, um, especially with order entry, right? And then um, the other kind of the other additional tidbit that goes with that is if you're a manufacturer. Um, or if you're working with manufacturers, just just remember that um, most manufacturing solutions separate their internal part number from the vendor part number. So if you're ordering something from a manufacturer or vice versa, you sell something to a vendor and you're a manufacturer, just make sure you don't screw those up, right? Because a lot of that'll make or break a big project. So anyways, that's your tidbit. Um, thanks, Jason, so much for being on. You're awesome. Yeah, no um, problem. Appreciate having you, Happy man. to be here. Jason's it's always good funny. to see you. We didn't talk enough about how cool he is. He's he's the, probably one of the smartest guys at Fishbowl. I go to him for... On the planet, I dare say. Yeah. Well, Sean's not, not here to fact check. Sean's not here to fact check. Um, guys are too guys. That is true. So um, anyway, subscribe to the podcast. Um, we are on all major platforms. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.